Hello, Jordan. You got to get your mood right, Michael. <laughs> your I'm mood is such not a good right mood for this podcast. With my tea, Jordan's in a bad mood, but we're going to battle through. We're going to pick him up by the bootstraps. Sometimes that's what you do for best friends. You grab him by the bootstraps, you pick him up, and you... Uh, uh, did you buy any V-Friends in this launch? Did you just ask me if I bought any V-Friends? <laughs> you know for a fact, yes. I did not buy any V-Friends. <laughs> you know for a fact. <laughs> what a ridiculous question. <laughs> Did you buy any V friends? How many V friends did you buy? I just, uh, I just actually the price dipped on the series two V friends pre reveal because this isn't going to make a lot of sense. But just to give real quick context for anyone who's completely, uh, most people who don't know what this is, NFTs are digital assets, kind of in the crypto space. They're a high risk investment, like. Spend very little money on them, only money you're okay with losing. But V Friends are Gary's NFT project. And uh, yeah, when when essentially a certain number of them were released, the price just went way down. So I did uh, jumped in there and, and pulled the trigger a little bit. Just crushing that crypto space. Mike is really a big crypto guy, big crypto guy. So I'm actually not. I'm actually not. You're a huge crypto guy. You are the crypto guy that I, you're the crypto guy. If I have crypto questions, you're the guy I go to. And I usually don't have answers. I have a very limited understanding of the space, but Gary has, uh, has pulled me into his corner of the world and, and it's been somewhat interesting. And you had jujitsu this morning, which you've been crushing. <laughs> <laughs> This is why Jordan's mood went slightly down and Jordan pulled himself up by the bootstraps pretty, uh, pretty effectively. But <laughs> what did I say? Oh, you were like, you, you said jujitsu puts you in a bad mood. <laughs> no, no, no. Before I said, I said, jujitsu is like brushing my teeth. Like it's not necessarily something that I want to do or that I enjoy while I'm doing it, but it's something that I know I should do and I have to do. Yeah, you said jujitsu is like brushing your teeth and that it, it like makes your day worse. And I was I like, I didn't say what? that. I didn't say you, I didn't say that. You definitely said it makes your day worse. Or or you inceptioned me and you put that in my brain and and you made me think that's what you were saying. And like you put that idea in my head. I just watched Inception. Good movie. Not great. I don't think it should be top ten IMDB. But yeah, definitely like you made it really clear you're not a huge fan of jujitsu, which is fine. But like, I know you like it. You're just sort of playing that game. You're like, you, like you're doing the thing where if I want you to say something, you'll say the other thing just because you know that. I don't play like, that. I don't do that game though. Other people do that game. <laughs> that's true. Sometimes you do though. <laughs> <laughs> Very rarely. I just like post post workout when I have because I'm stacking. I'm only going twice a week and I'm going after lifting sessions and I just enjoy doing so many things after lifting, like working. I still have a lot of caffeine in my veins. I feel good. It's like a very happy, positive time. And it's, you know, it's fine. It's going well. Um, it, it is what I expected it to be. And uh, what you have to realize is you've essentially been doing this since you were, when did you start wrestling? Eight, when I was eight. Yeah. 
this would be the equivalent of of me going and playing hockey every day or whatever, two days a week at 11 a.m., which I would be pumped to do, or going golfing at 11 a.m. two days a week, which I would be pumped to do. You got to realize that I'm a 35-year-old old man doing any kind of like mat sport for the first time, and it's it was just never of interest to me, but the the practicality and usefulness of the skill set is interesting to me. Mm. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I just think I, I think you're gonna love it eventually one day. <laughs> I think you're gonna love hockey one day. But I gotta... do love hockey. I'm a big hockey guy. When's the last time you were in full pads and played a hockey game? Never in my life. Yeah, yeah. But I love <laughs> and, and hockey. <laughs> hey, three months ago, I was a big Gordon Ryan fan. I like talking to you about it. I love. I was a huge jujitsu fan, bro. But I like I I would like to play hockey. I was telling my wife the other day. I was like. I said, uh, I said, my favorite sport is obviously, you know, fighting, mixed martial arts, any of that, like in the mixed martial arts stuff, grappling, fighting, whatever. But I was like, my second favorite for- sport is hockey. I was like, hockey players are no joke. I-, I was like, it's the only other sport where fighting is allowed, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. the only other sport where you don't get disqualified for like, uh, and obviously, you know, maybe you go to the penalty box, but like they will let you have a full on fist fight in hockey. Hockey players are bad motherfuckers. Like they're no, I love hockey. Um, it's part and, of the culture. Yeah. Guys, it, less so now, but when, uh, like there were unwritten rules back in the day, 70s, 80s, like you couldn't touch Wayne Gretzky. And if you did, every team had an enforcer. So <laughs> if someone went after Gretzky, the other team's enforcer was going after you. Mm. And, and they protected like the superstars of the league that way. That's crazy. Interesting, mm-hmm. man. Okay. Yeah, dude, I love hockey, man. And my my jujitsu coach is always talking about how, you know, he's like, yeah, jujitsu. He talks about hockey all the time. He, I think he's trying to come up with analogies that like help make sense with people. He's like, jujitsu, brother, it's like hockey, you know, it's the same thing. He's like, offense, defense, offense, defense, offense. <laughs> how much hockey has he played in his life? None, but he likes watching it as well. I see. Yeah, and he he went to one hockey game and he was like, this is exactly like jujitsu. One second you are offense, next second defense, back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> he uses that analogy all the time. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's funny, like jujitsu guys make everything in life about jujitsu. I think it's sort of like how CrossFit people make everything in life about CrossFit. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I hate them too. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> CrossFit people are the worst. They are the yeah. worst. <laughs> You're proving my point here. But no, I, I really like the crew of people there, really like nice people, and uh, and I'm, I'm doing it. Most of my clients, I would say, or the majority, half at least, don't love weightlifting, don't love training, but they suck it up and do it because they know that it's good for them. It's, it's that experience. Okay, fair. All right, I'm in a good mood now. Now I just need to get your, your mood in check. Oh, I'm up. <laughs> I'm up. I had a great sleep last night. My sleep game is dialed, uh, getting stronger on lifts. Oh, we had another incident today. There were, you're not going to believe this. Have you ever seen multiple glass shards on the floor of a like a relatively clean gym? No. Yeah. Well, What happened? I had leg day. I don't know. But it was my leg day. I didn't have shoes on and I came back Shut to- up. 
dead serious. Did you step on it? I didn't. I saw it and I picked it up and then I was very cautious and looking around. And then I saw another one, like another foot over kind of right where my feet were on my Bulgarian split squats. What the fuck? Do you think it was that guy who tried kicking you out? Has to be coincidence. And he's like just, that's he just the, strategically placed all these glass shards. That is the first place my mind went. But I, I default to blaming others. And like, I, I think there's probably a 90% chance it was coincidence and a 10% chance that, yeah. That's crazy. That I'm, that I'm being sabotaged, yeah. <laughs> Told you. Should have wore your shoes. There's sometimes there's glass pal- shards yeah. around the gym. You never yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> But I was trying to think of what could have broken that would have produced that on, you know, literally in the middle of the dumbbell section, probably 15 feet out away from the mirror, 20 feet out away from the mirror. The only thing that I could possibly think of off the top of my head is like maybe someone's glasses broke, like mm. someone's glasses fell off their face and they broke. Like, that's the only thing I can like, what else are you fucking bringing into the gym? That's glass and shattering. I don't know. Were they big shards? No, they were. They were probably half an inch in length and quite narrow. Mm, So I guess they were, you know, no, they weren't big chunks of glass, but slivers. Yeah. Wow. Well, lucky you didn't step on it. I know. I wish I could like see the the video of you walking around super cautious, the the feet really light on the ground. (laughs) It was, it was also very busy. So, and I was in like, you know how some, some gyms have two rows of benches by the dumbbell section. So I was in the back row of benches and basically all of the benches were taken. So when I was taking my dumbbells back to the rack, (laughs) I'm literally looking at my feet and taking these very slow steps, almost bumping into people. What's up with this dope? be so funny watch like the black and white security camera just like what is this guy doing <laughs> this guy's strange he's looking at his feet he's <laughs> going so slow <sighs> um i did a presentation this weekend in austin which was really good it was, it was all to coaches um made me feel like an old man for many reasons first um this is my first time I, i've been in hotels but this hotel the the bed was just super stiff and man, my back for like two days, I, what happens? Like when all of a sudden, like, I feel like just one day you wake up and you're just old where like that wouldn't have affected me. I could, I could sleep on a, on a jagged rock when I was younger and wake up and be like, oh yeah, like great day. And now I sleep on a bed that's slightly more stiff than mine. And like, I'm literally limping for the next 48 hours, just unable to move properly. Um, that's not fun at all. What I didn't, your bed isn't super soft, is it? It's pretty soft. It's, it's an amazing mattress. Yeah. It's, it's a, you've slept on that bed before. I've definitely watched a movie on that bed. When have I slept on that bed? You stayed in my apartment in New York. Remember? Oh, that's the same mattress from Same mattress. Yeah. Great mattress. That is a soft mattress. Yeah. Yeah. Super soft. That's weird because hotels usually don't have firm mattresses yeah i usually don't like that hotel mattresses are too soft like they're usually too soft for me oh interesting yeah Mm -hmm. so either way um it was good though it was um every dude everyone was so young at this at this conference like all the people in the seats that i was speaking to i just felt like i was talking to like such young people 
you know, which is, I just felt so old up there. It was the first, cause I remember being young and a kid and, and being at these conferences and looking up at the people presenting and being like, I want to do that one day. Like I want to be speaking. And so it, it's cool to be in that position, but it's also like, man, now I'm the old guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you're not. Yeah. It was in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It was a bunch of good speakers and the people were super nice. All the, the people there were really nice and um, very attentive and, and good listeners and asked really good questions. So it was fun. Did you do, you had an hour? I had an hour. I went for an hour and a half. Um, it was one of those things where I said at the beginning, I was like, listen, I'll stay up all night. I'll stay up here and like whatever questions you have, I'll, I'll answer them. I told a couple stories uh, and then I was like, all right, let's just do Q&A. Whatever questions you have, we'll talk about it. And like just poof, went off. So I spoke for like an hour and a half, which is really good. That's awesome. You know, like the, the main thing I spoke about, like the number one take home that I spoke about. Let's see if you can guess. The one thing, all right, I'm going to give you a preface. The one no, thing no, that I, I think. I want to guess it cold. Okay. okay, guess it cold. Well, all right, I'll say, I'll say this. If I were to start over my business from scratch right now, what would be the number one thing that I would do? Like if I lost all of my social media, if I lost all of my website, if I lost my email list, like if I lost everything and I wanted to start building back up a sustainable business, what would be the first thing that I do? Long form articles. Yes, that was it. That's what we spoke about for, a, for the vast majority of it. And it was funny because after the hour was over, after the that hour was over, there were uh, most people stayed and then slowly people started to trickle out so they could go get food and stuff. And by the end of the extra half hour, there was probably about like 10% of the people were left in the room at that point because the rest of the people left to go eat because it was pretty late at that point. Mm -hmm. And I said, I was like, I love this. And we've only got 10% of the people here. I was like, if all of you in here, if all of you start writing long form content on a weekly basis, you will all beat everyone else who's already left the room. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and they loved it. They thought it was funny, but it was like, I'm serious. Like if all of you just start making long form content now in three to five years, you will all be winners. You will all be beating everybody else out there who's just going for the quick short form content. It's just like, uh, yeah, that's it. It's so true. Mm -hmm. And was that message being echoed? I don't know if you saw, cause it was a two day thing. I don't know how much of other people's talks you heard, but what was the general vibe of the conference in general? Like, was it mostly business or was it business and coaching specifics? It seemed to be mostly business. It was funny. So my, my buddy, Cody McBroom, uh, he said the same thing actually, which was really cool to see him talk about. Cause his, his business is basically, basically built on the, the backbone of, of SEO as well. Long form content, website articles, mm. all of that. Yeah. He, he started around the same time that you and I started. Um, and so he, he did the long form content for years. He still does long form, long form articles, like on a monthly basis. So he said the Good exact same thing. Yeah. And I said that when I went up, I was like, Cody spoke about it. Like, let's dive more into it. SEO and long form articles. Like this is like. Yeah, Instagram's great, TikTok's great, YouTube, like all this stuff is great, but like long form articles and videos for YouTube are good, but long form content, SEOable content, this is this is the game. And uh yeah, so really, really, really good. That's great, man. I'm glad it went well. That's the first time you've been able to do an in-person thing like that since pre-COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have a bunch coming up over the next six months or so. Sweet. Yes, sir. What what do we got for today? What are we jamming on? We got questions. Let's dive in. Let's do it. Advice for long distance relationships. 
I, I think it's a bad idea to start a relationship long distance. I think if there's light at the end of the tunnel with someone who you know, and, and this is all under the guise of you're dating to marry. You're not just like, you know, dating someone to have fun. You're, you're doing it with the sole purpose of uh, vetting them for a marriage. And you have someone who you think is a really good candidate for that. And you're, there's distance. I think there are times when it makes sense to make that effort. But if you're like, I don't know, I don't really know how the dating apps work these days, but I've, I've heard of people uh, like setting locations to different, I actually have a friend in Minnesota setting his locations to different, to like New York city. Cause apparently he's swiped through all of the women in Minnesota. I'm not <laughs> exactly sure. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not though, because I've, it's, it's not that ridiculous setting their location to different cities, like meeting someone who lives on the opposite side of the country and then trying to start a long distance relationship, probably more work than it's worth. But if there's a solid base there, it can make sense. Yeah. So my wife and I, we were long distance for a couple of years before, uh, before we like moved in together. She was in Atlanta and I was- how do, you, what? how do you throw this question at me to start when you have the personal experience that I wasn't even thinking of? Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Because I was interested, I didn't, I never know which question you're going to want to answer. So I just threw that one out. <laughs> so I, I definitely don't think, you know, setting your, if you're doing the online dating thing, don't set your, your distance to 3000 miles away. That's probably really fucking <laughs> stupid. <laughs> like, like probably keep it. And I don't know, maybe like a 10 mile radius. Um, but it's funny because a lot of people hate on long distance relationships and they'll say things like, oh, it's just, it's really hard. And I'm like, first and foremost, that's what she said. Second, um, <laughs> re regular relationships are hard too. Like you have someone who lives down the street from you. Like that's hard for a whole separate set of reasons. Like you're basically living together from the very beginning and like you see each other so much. And here's the thing with, with super close distance relationships from the beginning. I think the biggest issue with that is it's very easy to rely on sex and intimacy in the beginning rather than actually getting to know the person. And it's easier to justify things that you wouldn't accept because maybe the sex is really good or the physicality is really good. You might like, like that's, I've had that before where I'll be with someone and they'll do things that are like clear red flags where I'm like, that's not what I want. But like the physicality of the relationship is great. So you're like, ah, cool, whatever. And then it builds and builds and builds and builds until it explodes in your fucking face. You're like, I should have ended this a long time ago. Whereas if it's long distance, you are forced to talk and interact with that person and understand like what their moral character is, understand what their ethics are and like build a real relationship with them outside of physical, um, which I think is a major benefit of long distance. Obviously, it's super, super hard, especially as it gets more and more serious and you're trying to decide, well, who's going to move to the other person because someone's going to have to get up and leave eventually. Um, but it was funny because someone actually asked about this at the seminar. They were like, how'd you meet your wife? And, and where, where were you in building your business when you started dating? And I said, I was actually, you know, I was really in that like grinding era of mine where I was pulling all nighters and I was working nonstop. And I said, to be honest, if we weren't long distance, it probably wouldn't have worked out 
because I wouldn't have been spending much time with her. Uh, I like would have been working so much and she would have been like, well, let's hang out, let's hang out, let's hang out. And I was like, well, I've got to work. But because we were long distance and we were only hanging out like once a month at most, it actually worked out really well. Um, so it was, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting question, an interesting way to look at it, that long distance can be great if you're a good communicator. And depending on where you are in your business, it might actually be better than a really close distance relationship. You also knew her from your childhood. So there was there was a foundation pre you guys dating. Yeah, yeah. And like we weren't like close from our childhood, but I knew who she was and like I knew she wasn't a serial killer. So like that <laughs> that helped. But like, yeah, like we 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 knew of each other and and we had the commonality of growing up in the same town. Yeah, I remember uh her visiting was usually timed well with you like going hard for a month straight and then needing a couple days to relax and unwind. Yeah, exactly. And then usually like when she would go to sleep, I would stay up at night and work and until she woke up and then we'd spend the day together and then like that was it. So yeah, it was, uh, it's tough, but I, I think the main thing is I don't think that they deserve all the hate that they get. I think that they can actually be, they can be really good. Do they get a lot of hate? Yeah, I think in general, like when someone's like almost always people, when you hear long distance relationship, I think the initial gut reaction is, oh, those don't work. Hmm. Like I think that's almost always like, no, that doesn't work. It's, it's too hard. It's too difficult. Um, and I think that if we really want to, we could talk about, you know, why like people just need like they sort of like dopamine, like that dopamine hit, like they need, they, like oh, I can't go that long without sex or I can't, whatever it is. It's like, they just, they need you there. And like, I, it's important. Like all of that is important, but if you want a really solid relationship with someone, like it's, you have to be great at communicating with them. And I actually think it's one of the reasons why my wife and I have a, a solid relationship is because so much of it is built on the backbone of communication and talking and from the f initial foundation of let's just get to know each other first, rather than rely so much on the physicality of the relationship. Mm, that makes sense. Um, is there anything wrong with the carnivore diet is the next question. I like to think of things like this on a continuum, right? There, there's probably something wrong with most diets that you could that you could pinpoint. Um, there's nothing wrong with your diet. <laughs> that's not true at all. <laughs> You're on the regimen. <laughs> I am on the regimen recently. You know what? You know what change I made recently that I forgot how much it helped is not eating within at least two hours, sometimes three before bed and how that positively impacts my sleep quality. Mm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Didn't your doctor friend tell you to do that? Uh, I have done that when I have had bouts of acid reflux historically. Mm. And yes, mm -hmm. he did suggest that. And um, I actually noticed the benefit in sleep quality from it. I had, I had done it previously for sleep quality. And then I did it because I was forced to, because I was having that uncomfortable heartburn probably back in the fall. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's something that has really helped. Is there anything wrong with the carnivore diet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. Like we'll start I actually with a lack of fiber, complete lack of fiber, lack of fiber, lack of carbohydrates, which yes, you can survive without, but one, there's like 
the enjoyment of eating. Two, there's uh, using glycogen as a fuel source in the gym and how that makes everything better when it comes to physical performance. There's sustainability and ability to adhere where if you literally only eat meat and nothing else, it's tougher, like your life, like, I don't know, you're at Disney World with the family and what are you going to do? You're going to have, I'll have eight hot dogs, please. No bun, no ketchup, no mustard. Like, yes, there's there's plenty wrong with it. But part of me wants to rail against, uh, I don't know if you saw, I saw a clip of Paul Saladino. Is that his name? Yeah, the carnivore doctor. Uh-huh. And, and I actually, I like a lot of, I'm never going to do it myself, nor am I going to have a client on it. But when the mainstream goes so hard against something, I almost want to play devil's advocate intentionally. And he was I on one of those. I said you do this earlier and you said, no, you don't. <laughs> Not with you. <laughs> but the, there, he was just getting torched by, it was like The View or one of those like, you know, daytime Ugh. gimmicky type of shows. It wasn't actually The View. It might have been oh, Doctor's. Okay. Okay. Um but but they were just railing into him and you know not addressing his points. It just yes, there's plenty wrong with it, but I would prefer someone be on a carnivore diet with a reasonable caloric intake than I would for them to be in a 700 calorie surplus every single day on a bunch of processed foods for their life. Like if it's like, okay, you can pick between these two diets. We'll call it the standard American diet since the majority of our country is either overweight or obese. Um, I'd rather someone eat a reasonable number of calories and only eat meat than eat shit and be in a surplus for their whole life. Fortunately, we don't have to choose between those two options. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't, but but a, a substantial – there are more people eating that diet than there are eating like a dialed-in, balanced calories in check, eating enough protein, getting lots of fruits and vegetables, getting lots of fiber, drinking lots of water. There are more people eating like complete shit than there are people doing it right. So, yeah, there's plenty wrong with the carnivore diet, but there's also plenty wrong with other diets. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I hate the carnivore diet. Um, and I don't know Paul Saladino personally. I remember when I said I was going to do the carnivore diet for my YouTube video and I did it for a couple of weeks. He actually reached out and was like, Hey, if you need anything, please let me know, which was, I thought that was very nice of him. Um, so I have no problem with him personally, but frankly, I hate his content. Like I, he says a lot of shit that really pisses me off in his content. That's very inaccurate. Like he, he recently came out with a video that was like, there's no reason to do like jogging. He's like either walk or sprint, but anything in between is worthless. I'm like, come on, man. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like this is, and he is, it, it does really piss me off, especially, I don't know what type of a doctor he is, but I, I remember reading about him. Like he's not the type of doctor that should be giving nutrition advice. Like I think he's like a psychologist or something. I forget what type of doctor he is, but I'm like, you're using your doctor, um, title as a way to get people to believe you. And when the reality is like that has nothing to do with your degree or your area of expertise, not to mention it's just the carnivore diet specifically. It's, I think it's super dangerous. I really do. Um, especially looking at rates of, of colon cancer and all of that. And like the, the clear association of lack of fiber plus a lot of, of meat can like really, like really screw you up. So yeah, I am a huge 
anti-carnivore guy. I'm also a huge anti like standard American diet that's causing people to be massively overweight. But yeah, um, yeah, not a fan of it at all. Yeah, I remember when around we were actually in Florida together. We were on a business trip. Yeah, I and, forgot about that. <laughs> and I did, I was trying to do a day of carnivore. It just ended up like we, I hadn't eaten anything. I'd only had coffee and water on the flight. We flew down in the morning and then we got lunch by the beach and I got a 16 ounce New York strip steak. And, <laughs> and you said you were doing carnivore. And she, and she asked, there was like, I didn't want the fries and the vegetables like didn't look good. So I just didn't eat them. And I had only had the steak and I was like, I'm doing carnivore today. Like I am carnivore. And later that afternoon, I, you went and did jujitsu at that random academy that was just, that you hated. (laughs) And and I I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I felt terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I eat 300 grams of carbs every single day of my life, usually more historically. And so to go all day until 7 PM with no carbs. And I remember (laughs) I took an Uber to your jujitsu place to meet you. And I got there 20 minutes early. There's a gas station across the street and I got two muscle milks and three bags of peanut M&Ms. And I was like, I'm I'm done with this. (laughs) This is the worst diet ever. (laughs) Yeah. So am I a fan? No, I'm not a fan at all, but I don't know why I, I simultaneously feel the desire to defend the diet that I don't like at all personally. I, I think it's maybe because it gets it gets more hate than the standard American diet when they are equally bad. Or maybe that yeah. it gets hate and like uh it gets mimicked and gets made fun of by people who are on a standard American diet, which is equally bad. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um all right, next question. I'm trying to decide between two here. Um all right, we'll go with this one. I'm going to go with this one just because I think it could actually be good for people who might, or like from a business perspective. Someone asked, what is the hardest part of podcasting? And I thought we could talk about that because I, I want more people in our industry, especially people who are listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't have a podcast, I want you to start one. Um, but Mike, what do you think the hardest part of podcasting is? Very little. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, it's in, the in easiest of, way to make content. It's the easiest way to make content. Um, if we, if we tweak the question into how, what's the, what's the hardest thing about making a podcast good, that might change the answer slightly, but just as far as making it, you know, it's so low friction. It's so, um, maybe that when you're first getting started and you don't have an audience because there isn't organic reach within, there's a very little organic reach within podcast apps. It's hard to grow a podcast when you don't have any audience on any other platforms. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a reason not to do it. I mean, don't, don't uh, launch your online fitness business and, you know, the crux of your business is daily podcast episodes and focus all your time and attention there when you haven't built an audience yet, because that doesn't make sense. But, you know, still podcasting at some frequency while making content in other places and and then driving that audience to your podcast is a really good idea and something that's been very effective for several people in the mentorship. Brooks Herbis is coming to mind right now. 
uh, Jeff Pakman, I feel like has, has been doing a good job of that. Um, mm. but yeah, what, what do you think is the hardest part of podcasting? Yes. I mean, number one, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's the hardest audience to build by far. I think it's, it's the hardest medium to use to, to build an audience, to get people to, to pay attention. Um, usually they're, they're at least 30 minutes, oftentimes 60, 70 minutes plus, um, and it's very difficult for people who don't know you to just say, you know, what, I'm going to dedicate that amount of time to listen to this individual. So it's it's the hardest one to build. I think that's the hardest part about doing it, especially logistically. Um, the hardest part about actually doing it, about actually doing the podcast, I think, is being comfortable enough to just be fully honest and just be who you are. Um, I think in my earlier days of podcasting, I used to get really nervous sometimes, especially around whether it was political issues or whatever it is, because I was worried about saying something that would make someone upset. And now I'm not going to say it's fully gone, but I'm much more comfortable just saying, fuck it. Like, this is what I believe at this point. Like I am way more comfortable. And I think in the podcast has been doing better as a result of it. Um, I really want to push people listening to make their own podcast because there is a reason why the only content Mike and I make for our business together for the mentorship is podcast. There's the reason. The reason is because this is by far, number one, it's the most enjoyable for us, actually. There are many reasons. Number one, it's the most enjoyable for us. We get to hang out and talk and shoot the shit and we just have a blast doing it. Um, two, it's the easiest way for us to make content. Like it's it's very, very, we just sit down and have a regular conversation like we do normally. Um, there's nothing censored or anything. Like it's literally whatever we talk about on a regular basis. This is how we would talk. And three is it has the highest conversion to business without question, more than Instagram, more than TikTok, more than YouTube, more than like this has the highest conversion to business. We know that if we had the same amount of people looking at our Instagram versus watching our YouTube versus listening to our podcast versus on our Twitter, without question, we'd get more people signing up for the mentorship just from podcast. Uh, and I've seen this in the inner circle. I've seen this in the mentorship and I've seen this with other people's businesses as well. So I think it's interesting, even though it's very hard to get people to listen to your podcast, it's so valuable for you and for them. And you don't need as many people listening to your podcast to build a successful business. Like you need you, you need a significant amount of people on Instagram in order to build a successful business just on Instagram. You don't need that many people listening to a podcast in order to build a successful business because if they're listening to you for an hour, they're already super invested in you. So, yeah. We we talked about this. It was probably three weeks ago at this point on Jeff's call mm. for the, the challenge he won. And it was that people who will listen to, and whether this is, you know, coaches who join the mentorship, or if your podcast is about fitness and their clients who are going to sign up for your coaching, people who will listen to you for 45 to 60 minutes and people who listen to podcasts end up being more aligned with you. They know your, your, uh, beliefs and your, you know, like call it, uh, philosophies, nutrition training philosophies, when you're talking about them more frequently, they're going to sign up for coaching already knowing what you're about and having a pretty good understanding of what they're getting themselves into versus someone who just catches a random, you know, before and after picture and signs up and then they get their first program and they're wondering why it's so short and why it's so easy and why they're not sweating enough and why do they have to take rest times and that there's a, a deeper connection between 
you and a podcast listener that plays out in the type of client that they're going to be and, and how easy or hard they are for you and, and, uh, how enjoyable the interaction often is because you've pre-selected for someone who took the time to get on the same page as you by listening to so many hours. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and another thing about it is even if you, let's say you have literally zero people listening to your podcast, which like is very realistic if you don't have a big audience and you're just starting out, you got zero people. Cool. One of the things, if you would do a podcast for 20 or 30 minutes and you're just talking about something, you will without question come up with more pieces of content for your shorter form pieces of content for Instagram, for TikTok, all that stuff. Because sometimes when, if you just like see, I don't know, well, let's, let's just say Bulgarian split squat. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to say about a Bulgarian split squat that I haven't said before on Instagram yet. Well, let's say you make an entire podcast about it, 30 minutes, which you could probably easily do 30 minutes just on Bulgarian split squat. No problem. And if you can't do that, you have more to learn, but Either way, you do 30 minutes, you're going to you're gonna talk so much. I guarantee you as you're talking, you're going to be like, oh, I should make a video on this. Oh, I should make a post on this. I can make a post on foot position. I can make a post on should I load it bilaterally or unilaterally? Should I load it with a barbell? Should I load it overhead? Should I do it with a kettlebell or a dumbbell? Should I load it like a, a goblet squat? Uh, how deep should I go? Who, should your foot be further out or closer in if you want to work the quads to the glutes? Like, should I add a pause at the bottom? Should I do one and a half reps, constant tension reps? There's, should I do like explosive type Bulgarian split squats with no weight and I'm just doing plyometric stuff? There's so much you could talk about with just that one thing. And if you just think, well, Bulgarian split squat, you're probably only going to go for just technique stuff. But there's so many things you can discuss with this one simple movement. And if you do an entire 30-minute podcast on that one thing, you'll come up with 10 different ways to discuss the exact same movement that maybe no one else has before. 100% right. All right. Uh, next question. What are your thoughts on water fasting? Does that mean only drinking water for extended periods of time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So should we say what are our thoughts on water fasting for the purposes of fat loss? We could do it for anything because I'm like, it's not just fat loss. We'll discuss the nuance. I'm I'm not an expert on water fasting for religious or spiritual purposes, but I'm so I'm just going to leave that alone. Although I will or, say that or I'm, you could just talk about it and just say, "Hey, I'm not an expert, but here's my thoughts." What are your uh, thoughts on water fasting for religious and spiritual purposes, not fat loss related? My, my my thoughts are that I don't I don't know very much, but I do think that acting out a sacrifice and and doing something difficult uh is has benefits mm. yeah yeah I'd, I'd i would have to think about it i'd probably have to write about it to come to some actual conclusions long form content love that <laughs> long form articles Mike's coming back with water fasting for a sacrifice to god that's he took a few years off and there he is glad he's doing well um for the purposes of fat loss i think that not ingesting any calories for extended periods of time is a pretty terrible idea um what what's like an okay amount of time and what's an extended like too long well, when I hear the word water fast, I'm thinking that someone is fasting for a minimum of 24 to 36 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's not like a overnight fast. It's not like a no, eight it's hour. Not, it's or, not an yeah. eight or a 12 or even a 16. Like uh, we can talk about that, the new meta analysis on mm -hmm. uh, which I'm so, I'm so torn on that too, because everyone's like, yeah, meal timing doesn't matter. Time restricted eating is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, like the, the feeding windows were very close together. Mm -hmm. They were like two hours apart. If you're going to do that study, you should have you should have one of the feeding windows be normal, which is basically 15 hours. Like people wake up, have sugar in their coffee, and then they're basically eating until the moment they go to sleep versus, uh, I don't know, call it an eight or a six or however you want to do the other window. Um, yeah. It's just way easier to eat every single day and be in a deficit every day than create this massive deficit for a few days where you're not getting any protein. You're not, uh, you're going to lose more muscle if you're, if you're creating the same deficit over the course of a week by cutting out calories for 24 to 48 hours and then eating at maintenance for the rest of the time compared to actually having three to four quote unquote doses of protein per day and eating in a reasonable deficit every single day, you're going to retain way more muscle and a higher percentage of the weight that you're going to lose is going to be body fat than if you're doing these water fasts. There's also like the binge restrict mindset, like which you can talk about more at length if you want to, but that's a, a serious component to it too. It's, it's not a good way to develop a healthy relationship with food is to not eat for days on end for the purpose of fat loss. Um, but I do think that there is merit to, you know, we talked before about not eating a couple hours before bed and, and, and the impact of that on sleep quality. I think there is merit to having a 10 or a 12 or maybe a 14 hour fast. Um, it'd be interesting. I, I don't know. I'd like to see calories controlled and someone who eats in a 10 hour window versus someone who eats in a 16 hour window, but you can't do it. It'd have to be over a long period of time. Like it would literally have to be years before you start really seeing the compounding effects. And, um, you'd have to, it'd have to be metabolic ward. You can't just go self-reported with like, correct. It's, it's, it, it basically can't happen. <laughs> yeah. So that, that type of study is you, you can't do it. You can't put people on metabolic ward and for, for years, years at a time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless like how much money would it take you to do that study i wouldn't you wouldn't do that for for any amount of money or what for like what would it take for for you to do that 10 years ago i would have done it for oh yeah, yeah i probably yeah. would have done it for like two million bucks <laughs> two years and a. <laughs> but then who's funding a million a year and how many yeah, yeah no taxes on that money well, no, I mean, you can run that by Uncle Sam. We're definitely still paying taxes on that money. Well, then, so you would do that for $2 million if you're even paying taxes on that? Like, basically, the day I quit my accounting job? Yes. All I would do is write long-form content, follow this <laughs> regimen that they have me on. I'd be lifting like a champ. I'd have the best sleep quality. I'd be living in this. Are there other people in the metabolic ward or is it? am I like in solitary confinement? I assume there's other people. There's got to be other people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you'll have your own bedroom. And you, it's, <laughs> you can go outside. It's not like you're, you're not in jail. Um, but yeah, at this point in my life, there's, this is actually fun and interesting. And we'll go back to fasting. I know we don't have that much more time. The, 
the diminishing marginal value. There's a, there's a concept in economics known as diminishing marginal value or diminishing marginal utility where if you're starving, like if you're super hungry and you get a cheeseburger, that first cheeseburger gives you a tremendous amount of value. Hmm. And then you have a second cheeseburger and it gives you quite a bit of value, but not as much as that first one. And the third one gives you like not very much, right? It goes down over time. And the same, you can find that concept applied to many aspects of life, one of which is savings, is net worth, right? Like we've talked about it on here, going from not having any money to having $20,000 in the bank, that really, 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 really matters for people's quality of life the most. And going from 20 to 100K really opens up doors and opens up opportunities and lets you make moves and lets you do things and go to 500K to like the list goes on and on. As you have more money, it's just like, We'll just throw out a random example. If you went from a 10 million net worth to a 25 million net worth, what's changing about your lifestyle? Like you, you, your vacations are at, you know, six star hotels instead of five. You, you fly private all the time instead of first, like, I don't, you have your own plane versus flying private. It's just, they're nothing like the, the bumps in net worth early on. Yeah. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. So, so that's why like now, you wouldn't do it because you're more comfortable. But like 10 years ago, it would have made a huge difference. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. How about you? What's what's your number to go to not see your wife or future? Ch- I mean, you have to go check in today. So you would meet your child when your child is- Well, they could one- probably come in and see me. I'm not in prison, right? It's a metabolic ward. You're- you're no. focused on your meal timing, <laughs> Jordan. You're, what if your child snuck in okay, a little Okay, so assuming cookie. I can't ever see them for two years, like I'm just in there doing my thing for two years? You can FaceTime with them within your feeding window. <laughs> within my feeding window. Once my feeding window is closed, feeding window no. and interaction and window family. are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In this completely hypothetical situation that will never exist, but I would do it. I would do it for... 50 million knowing that I'm going to have to pay taxes on that. So it's really like 25 million. So a little, a, a little net total of a little more than 25 here in Texas. Oh yeah, that's true. So yeah, I, I'll do it for 50 million total or like a tax free 25 million. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can do so much good with that money, but you can do so much. I mean, yeah, like there's just a lot that can happen with that. You can also go full monk mode. You know what? Yeah. You can just do so much reading and lifting if you can make content in there too. Yeah. During your feeding window, you can make content. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, I am obviously like my thoughts on fasting in general are if you enjoy it and can be consistent with it and you're trying to lose fat and it helps you stay in a deficit, like great, use various forms of fasting if it works for you, but absolutely not necessary. And, uh, and probably about the same as eating the same number of calories in a larger window. But when, when you're trying to make little tweaks at the, at the fringes, go from whatever, 99% to 99.5%, little things like not eating a giant meal right before bed will, will add up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Next episode is going to be all about spiritual and religious fasting. (laughs) All right, I'll do my homework. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I agree completely with you on that. And I think, um, you know, I'm not like I did intermittent fasting for several years when I was younger. Um, I many of my clients still do it. 
I think lately there's been a huge amount of people hating on it and people who think that I hate intermittent fasting. Like, no, I don't hate it. I just think that it's not, it's not the amazing thing that many people have made it out to be. Um, so yeah, if you like it, do it. If you don't like it, or if it sparks a binge eating issue, don't do it. Um, water fasting for 24, 36, 72 plus hours. I mean, I doubt I'll ever do it. I know there are some people who do it for religious and spiritual purposes and they swear by it. And like, that's amazing for them. Uh, that's just definitely not me at all, but like for them, great. And like, you know, a couple of times a year, I do a fast for different holidays in Judaism, uh, where like, never mind, like don't eat anything. No, like even like can't even really brush your teeth if you're really falling, which I still brush my teeth. I'm not going to walk around with halitosis and like just awful <laughs> breath all day, but like, I believe it's strict, strict. strict. Yom Kippur. <laughs> that was close. That was very close. High Holy Yom Day. Day of Atonement. Fasting. And you didn't even say it like super white either. Like, <laughs> like I tried to say it white without an American accent. <laughs> Yom Kippur is how like they all say <laughs> Oh, yeah. Happy Yom Kippur. <laughs> Yeah, but but that is a completely different fast than trying Correct. to do it for the purpose of losing body fat. It's better to just build the the food habits, the meal timing habits, the food choice habits to help you stay in a deficit on the day to day for times when you need to lose body fat. Yeah, that's right. That's right, brother. Well, let's wrap it here. Jordan has back to back to back to back to back episodes today five hours in a row of just on yeah you're an animal five straight hours yeah got a lot so i gotta hop off hop on another podcast but this was great thank you everyone for listening if you have not joined the mentorship we would love to have you the link is in the show notes uh to everyone who's in the mentorship we fucking love you you're the best you're yes. crushing it we love having you in there whether you're brand Let's new go. or you've been in there for a couple of years just you're the best so uh thank you very much we love you and we'll talk to you soon bye everyone